Well, a pleasant good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition Behind the Bench. I'm John Kelly. Tonight's show is brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Boardwalk has great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. Visit a showroom in Crestwood, Manchester, or St. Peter's, or online at boardwalkhardwood.com. Of course, the Blues have now won two in a row after a three-game winless streak last night, a 5-1 victory over Buffalo. And that leaves Craig Ruby's Blues with a record of 28-10-7. 63 points. The Blues, of course, sitting in first place in the West. Seven points ahead of second place, Dallas. Coach, uh, after the three-game winless streak, the Blues come home. And, of course, you beat San Jose. And last night, a four-goal victory over Buffalo. So a nice response after a bit of a skid. Yeah, for sure. I think we really tightened our game up. Uh, you know, I think uh, the road trip, uh, we were sloppy, obviously defensively and it we got burnt on it and um, we came home and we talked about it and we, we were tight in San Jose game and I thought we were pretty tight last night. Coach obviously big picture your club going back to last year even with the struggles in the first couple of months have avoided any losing streak longer than three games. You have to be proud of your club, number one, to do that because it's not easy in this league. And number two, I guess the question is, how have you avoided those long losing streaks? Well, no, I am proud of the club for sure. These guys have done a great job uh, understanding the situations and understanding that the league is so tight. And if you want to be a good team in this league or a great team, you got to consistently win. And, you know, we've managed to do a good job of uh, – uh, rectifying the losses and what's going on and correcting them and these guys buy into what we're trying to teach them and tell them and they've done a good job of responding. Coach, your club as we said is in good shape yet there's a long way to go. You just passed the halfway point. Did you find as a as a player and now as a coach that these sort of dog days of January can be difficult, and if they are, how do you keep things fresh? Yeah, they are difficult at times, and you got to manage their rest and uh, motivate them. Um, I think it's just um, motivating them on, with the understanding that the league is too tight, and you got to be able to battle through this uh, these uh, areas of dog days, and you know you don't feel great, you're tired, this and that. It's all mental toughness for me. That's all it is. It's not physical. It's mental toughness. All right, Coach, let's go back over the last week. The Blues going into Vegas last Saturday after a couple of tough losses in Arizona and Colorado. And I guess if you look at that game, I know the Blues lost in overtime 5-4, but you're up 3-0 after one. You could have been up perhaps four or five goals, and then Vegas comes back. So really, it was two different games, wasn't it? Well, it was. I thought um, we had a real good first period in that game and um, got off to that lead. In the second period, we had, I thought, four really good opportunities to make it four nothing and you know that's flurry for you though he does that and he makes these big saves and uh, their team responded off of it obviously and um, they got they got aggressive in a second period and we didn't respond to that very well um, I thought that uh, they pushed hard uh, came after us came and went to our net hard and got a couple goals out of it and got them back in the game so is that a learning lesson for the future oh definitely I mean I just don't think you can allow that a another team to push that hard and not push back. 
Meanwhile, Vegas went ahead in the game in the third period on the goal by Riley Smith, and your club tied the game on David Perron's power play goal. So I guess, in a way, you had to like the response. Oh, I did for sure. I thought that, uh, you know, we did a good job there responding and tying that game up and uh, getting it to OT and getting a point out of it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty good by our club. Obviously, the power play was good in that game. Petrangelo, a power play goal. David Perron, again, the game-tying goal. We've talked about the power play a lot, Coach, but it continues to get better. You have so many weapons. I know you have two units, um, but a lot of different looks. Is that the key this year? A lot of different looks. Uh, Savvy does a great job of drawing a lot of plays up uh, off of face-offs, entries, and things like that. And guys, they really bought into it. But I really believe the power play is clicking because they all have real good chemistry together there and they, they um, really work for each other out there and that's the key. Coach, have power plays changed? I know you've uh, been around for a while now as a as a player and a coach, but have they changed a lot since you first broke into the league? Oh, definitely. I think that you know they're much more um, direct, I guess, or you know this is what you did on the power play. But now, you know, you're changing things game to game on the penalty kill and what they're doing, what we can expose on the PK. It's, it's much more tactical now. Obviously, on the game-winning goal, on a three-on-three, Robert Thomas loses the puck on the wall. Again, um, down the road, he's a young player. He makes mistakes like every player, but I guess that's a teaching experience for him as well. Well, it is. Um, you know, I thought we could have backed him up better on that play. I thought it was a tough play, but, uh, you know, that's that's a learning experience for a young kid, um, understanding the situation, understanding what kind of pressure he's under at that point, and just making maybe a more simple play, um, maybe making a harder play at the time uh, again. So but it's he's come a long way and he's still only 20 years old so they are going to make mistakes at times and um, he's a smart kid he learns from it absolutely all right coach after the overtime loss in Vegas you come home for a five-game homestand starting Tuesday against San Jose a 3-2 victory Bozak Barbashev and David Perron with the goals your club is up two nothing after two you held a good San Jose club to only 16 shots so I guess after two you're in pretty good shape yeah we are. I thought we were tight. You know, it, we didn't give up much in that game. Um, we, were, we played like we wanted to. It's puck pressure. You know, we we had, at home here, these uh, two games did a great job of uh, puck pressure all over the ice when we don't have it. That limits teams to shots. That limits teams offense. So uh, we, we preach defense to offense all the time. I guess in a way, though, the special teams favored San Jose. They were really good on the kill. And again, coming into the game, they were number one in the NHL. You talked about it the morning of the game how aggressive they are, especially their forwards. Um, the Blues couldn't capitalize and San Jose obviously with a power play goal by Meyer got back in the game. Yeah, they did. Um, you know, we scored a goal up in San Jose. We've actually done a good job against that great penalty kill over the last couple of years of um, understanding, you know, the pressure they come with and, and taking advantage of it at times, and we have, but uh, last game we didn't. We didn't get set up in the zone uh, enough, and then, you know, they cleared it on face-offs, and uh, we couldn't get set up enough. On the game-winning goal, Ryan O'Reilly wins a face-off to David Perron. He scores to make it 3-1. It turns out to be the winner. So in that situation, you're putting O'Reilly on the ice in the offensive zone, quite obviously. Is, is it a face-off matchup you love? like or is it just a case of you want to get your top center on the ice in the offensive zone 
I do. I mean, I try to use everybody in the offensive zone. I think that everybody needs to, um, you know, have an opportunity in the offensive zone, uh, whether you're Ryan O'Reilly or Barbashev. And but when it's late in a game like that, you're going to go with your guys that uh, produce the most, probably, and your best face-off guy. And how much did you look at, you know, trends as far as face-off matchups against certain players? I know it's it's kept by the coaches during the game, and how how where are of it are you and you know do you do you capitalize on on matchups that you think are advantageous yeah for sure uh our, we're keeping track of guys and face-offs you know whether maybe it's bozak on the other side he went he's winning 60 percent of his draws over there against this guy so you know it's easy switch we could put bozak out there especially in the defensive zone i, I don't try to do it too much in the offensive zone because i give our guys that opportunity to go in there and win a draw but in a defensive zone you know like i'll put bozak out on that right side because I know that he's going to win most of his draws over there so I'll put a two centerman out at a time so that's something we look for. All right, Craig Ruby, last night the Blues beat Buffalo 5-1 that Steen-Bozak-Thomas line connect for nine points and I know we've talked about it before and you talk about it almost every day but it, it seems like the young kid Thomas really for whatever reason has great chemistry with the veterans Bozak and Steen um, and, and it, this line I know was together at times last year yeah it's he feels comfortable that's a big thing when you feel comfortable with a line mate you're going to produce more and you're going to feel better about yourself him and Bozy go back to last year where they've you know had great chemistry whether Thomas is on the wing or Bozak's on the wing and you know they had Pat Maroon with them and it was a good line and uh, Steener is, is a different player than Pat Patty Maroon, but um, he's done a good job this year of uh, making that line work. He's a worker. He um, hounds pucks, goes to the net. Um, a lot like a lot of what Patty would do, like, you know, go, getting around the net. So on a, on a goal last night, he's screening the goalie, does a great job, and that's the kind of stuff he does. And, you know, he's always on the defensive side of things. He does a good job of defending. How good could this Robert Thomas kid be? I know it's his second year, a former first-round pick, and it's hard to look into the crystal ball down the road, but it seems like this, this young guy has it all. He does, and he's going to get better and better as it goes, uh, as long as he wants to get better and better. you got to stay motivated as a player, um, whether you're young or not. It's, this young guy, he's won at every level, <laughs> and he's 20. He's got a Stanley Cup ring. and so. But for me, what I like is he's showing motivation this year again he's shown that he wants to keep improving and he is uh, he's doing a real good job um but where he's at right now in his game like you know minute wise and where he's playing is a perfect spot for him it's you know you gotta you gotta be patient as a player and uh coaches gotta be patient and organizations gotta be patient with guys because you don't want to put him in a spot where he's not going to succeed and right now we've got him in a great spot where he's succeeding Coach, uh, big picture, you win 5-1. The only goal by Jack Eichel, who is uh, obviously a top player in this league. You had a goal called back on an offside, so I guess you have to be pleased with a four-goal victory. Definitely. Um, you know, it's unfortunate that one went offside, but I'm very happy with the way we played. Uh, we talked about Eichel before the game. I thought we'd done a pretty good job on him. Uh, he got that one opportunity, rang it off the post in the first period. I would have liked to play that a little bit better. And obviously the goal, and we went over that scenario, he comes around and he that same situation, he gets a lot of opportunities that way. And we just didn't play it hard enough. And he 
he he buried it. Yes, he did. Another positive in the game is the youngster Nico Mikola, uh, his second NHL game. He had an assist. He was plus three in over 15 minutes. Now two games under his belt. Your impressions of him so far? I'm pretty happy with him. I'll tell you, he um, you know he just he plays the game. Um, with energy and aggressiveness, and that's the best way I can put it. He skates and he gets after people, um, you know, and closes and, and makes it a hard game for the other team. That's what I like about him. Coach, obviously a lot of young players have come up. Um, a big reason why the injuries, a kid like Kairou, and earlier we saw Costin up here and, and Walker. Is internal competition really good or can it, you know, be problematic at times? No, I think it's good. I don't think there's an issue with it. I think your guys that, uh, you know, when they're when they're, when they come out of the lineup, they know why. And other guys go in, and and there's going to be switches. There's going to be certain uh, games where we're going to use different people at times. And uh, if a, if a kid like Kairou, he needs to come out once in a while. As a young kid, they make mistakes. Maybe his game's not good enough. Then we put somebody else in there, and they and they get an opportunity. And uh, you know, Sanford's gone in, and um, we've given him an opportunity. I thought he had his best game I've seen all year last night. Awesome. All right. Meanwhile, as far as the injuries are concerned, Pareko has missed the last couple of games. He has been skating. Uh, Gunnarsson, of course, as you said the other day, is is basically ready. And Sammy Blay looks like he's coming along. Yeah. Um, Pareko still still not ready to play. Gunnarsson is ready to play. But, you know, we, we like Mikola, so we've kept him in there. And uh, Sammy Blay, he's not ready yet. So he's doing better. He's come a long way, but he's still not ready to play. All right, Coach, let's talk about the Rangers tomorrow night, a club that you have not seen this year. Right now they have 21 wins, 18 losses. They beat New Jersey last night 6-3 defenseman. Tony D'Angelo had three goals and five points. So they they can score goals. Um, as a matter of fact, they've scored at least three goals in 28 of their 43 games this year. And, of course, they added Panarin. So it's a team that you haven't seen, but they have a, a lot of offense. They do. And uh, Panarin's a leader. Um, he's, a, he's a great player in this league. I think he's on like a 12, I don't know how many uh, game streak he's on right now for points. But he's been a real good player for them. And um, they're dangerous. They got a lot of good young uh, players in their lineup, um, a lot of skill. Um, even on the back end, D'Angelo, Fox, these guys are good players. They're young guys, but they've got high skill. Um, and, you know, they're rotating these goalies. or they got three of them up there right now. And, uh, you know, the, the Russian kid's done a good job, and they're coming in there and winning some games. So they're a dangerous team because um, of their skill level and um, their youth. And they're going to come at you, and they're going to be aggressive. And we got to do a good job of managing the puck. We got to make it a hard game for them. We got to make them play in their end as much as possible. And that'll be keys for us tomorrow. Coach, you mentioned the rookie goalie, Igor Shesterkin, I believe it's pronounced. So he comes in here if he does play tomorrow night, and we're not sure at this point. So you don't have a book on him. He doesn't have a book on your shooters. So does anyone have an advantage? I don't know. I mean, listen, we'll look at we'll look at the goaltending. We'll look at um, you know what he's done so far up here, and we'll 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 get some reads on him. Davy Alexander does a good job with that, and we'll, the video will be playing in the room, and the guys will see you know what he's like and what he's doing in that. And but basically, it boils down to you got to attack, and you got to you got to have good quality chances, and uh, hopefully we capitalize on him. And you know the other thing is always making it a hard game on a goalie. You got to go to the net. You got to get dirty around the net, and that's tough on a goalie. 
All right, Coach, good luck tomorrow night against the Rangers. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much, J.K. All right, that's the head coach, Craig Bruby. Coming up next on Behind the Bench, we'll talk to longtime Blue Bruce Affleck about the big alumni game coming up on the 23rd. Of course, the Blues alumni will face a team from the NHL alumni. That is on the 23rd of January at Centene Community Ice Center. That is coming up next right here on 101 ESPN. John Kelly back here on Behind the Bench here on 101 ESPN. In this segment, we get together with old number four, former Blues defenseman Bruce Affleck, my former partner on radio and TV here with the Blues. And Bruce, of course, has done great work with the Blues alumni for many years, many decades. And Bruce, a big event is coming up here on the 23rd of January, a couple of days before the All-Star game. I know the alumni is going to be involved with a big charity game at Centene Community Ice Center on Thursday night. Also that day, a big luncheon. So this is a, a big spotlight for you and your alumni. It really is. It's a chance for us in the National Hockey League has been very good with us to allow us to really put this on. And with their help and the NHL alumni, uh, it's really turned into a special event. And uh, you mentioned the lunch at, lunches at Anheuser-Busch. Bud Light is presenting this, uh, both the lunch and the game. And, uh, you know, the lunch starts and we're going to do a couple roundtables with some Hall of Famers and some other guys that are in town. Uh, and then that night this game, as you mentioned, at uh, 7 o'clock at Centene Ice Center. First of all, the lunch. How could people get uh, tickets for the lunch? And is it is it available to, to purchase? Yes, they are available to purchase, and, uh, whether it's the lunch or the game. You can go to Ticketmaster.com and get tickets for either one or the uh, STL Blues Alumni uh, website, and that'll send you to a link uh, to buy tickets also. All right. How about the game itself? I, I know you gave me a list earlier of some of the players um, that will be on the Blues Alumni team. Some of the highlights, uh, Bear Jackman, Doug Waite, Jeff Cortnell, fan favorite Garth Butcher, um, Chris Butler, the former Blue, Chris Thorburn, Gary Unger, um, Andy McDonald, Red Berenson. I mean, a lot of great names, Bruce. It really is. You think about it. Red Berenson, 80 years old, and he's going to play in the game. And he's in shape. As everybody probably knows, he was always in shape. And he, uh, it was funny. We were texting back and forth. And I said, do you want to play? And he says, well, do you need me? And I said, yeah, we want you. And he goes, yeah, I'd love to play. 80 years old. <laughs> so, uh, and then, you know, obviously you mentioned some of the other guys and uh Cavallini and Basson, another fan favorite, but it's quite the lineup, and uh, the NHL lineup is pretty good too. There's over 20,000 games played in the NHL. Who who would be the feature guys from the NHL that will be coming in? Well, we've got Guy Carbon, who just went into the Hall of Fame, is playing for the NHL alumni. But you know, as you look at it, uh, Brad Marsh, uh, Jamie McCown, um, you know, you got John Michael Lyles, Dan Dow. Remember from Toronto days, he was a little pest. You hated the guy. Yeah. It'll be fun to see him. But uh, Greg Adams, of course, who was very good with the Vancouver. Canucks, um, Rod Langway, you know, the Hall of Famer. He's going to be in the um, coaching duties. Joey Kosher just had to back out. He's going to coach, but he's going to be here. Uh, another fan hatred, I guess, is the best way to put it, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brad Maxwell, if you remember from Minnesota days. Uh, who else? We got uh, George Peros. You know, big, hopefully there's no fights because uh, he'd be the leader of the pack. And now, of course, he's in charge of uh, NHL, right? Uh, not security, NHL. Um, player safety. Play, player safety. So, uh, you know, we just, uh, it's a great mixed lineup. Douglas Murray from San Jose. And uh, it'll be a lot of fun for, uh, I think, everybody. And Bruce Affleck, we're, again, we're talking to Bruce Affleck about the alumni game coming up on January 23rd, two nights before the NHL All-Star game. Um, but also some guest appearances by some pretty good players that won't skate but will be in attendance. Yeah, we've got some Hall of Famers. Uh, 99, I think his number was. Mr. Gretzky will be here. Uh, Brett will be here. Al McInnes, Chris Pronger, Bernie Federico, Peter Stasny, uh, 
who am I missing on the list? Um, uh, you know, they'll be out on the ice before the game, and uh, we looked at <coughs> excuse me looked to have a nice little ceremony before, and uh, they will be there for the game. Bruce, I know that uh, you know you've been involved with the Blues as a, since a player in the early '70s, and um, you know in charge of the alumni for many years, and you've been involved in a lot of these alumni games. What makes them? special and unique and fun from the players perspective well i think everybody loves to come back to st louis number one uh the guys who live here live here for a reason but those that have played here always want to come back and it's pretty easy you pick up a phone you call somebody and say hey butchery you want to play he said i'd love to come back so it's not hard to get guys to come back and play uh i think that's part of it and i think the other part of it is you know this game's going to sell out which you know it's about 3,000 3,100 people and quickly and it's the fans that make it for everybody. And as I think it was Brett Hall's uh, quote, if we didn't have the fans, we wouldn't have the game. Yeah, very true. Yeah. You know, obviously you, you played in the game. I know you're not playing in this year's event, but did the players that perhaps might have had um, uh, an issue with someone else on another team over the years, do those hostilities continue or is it uh, water over the dam? It's forgotten and you go for a beer. <laughs> yeah, no, it really doesn't. Uh, you don't have that too often. Uh, you know, there's not been very many bad guys in the NHL, which is pretty fortunate. There are some and have been some obviously, but uh, you, you just don't see that uh, hangover or whatever you want to call it when two guys maybe have had three or four fights over their careers with each other. Off the ice, uh, it's totally different. So it should be a lot of fun. Again, some of the biggest names in Blues history will either be at the game or playing in the game. And where does the money go, Bruce? Money goes to, through the Blues alumni, which we support uh, Responder Rescue, the police firemen, quite a bit. Uh, you might remember during the Winter Classic, we gave the Police Foundation $100,000. Uh, and then minor hockey. That's our biggest support. Uh, uh, that's awesome. And you said that the game is almost sold out. So if you're listening to this tonight, um, you might want to get on Ticketmaster.com, right? Yes, exactly. I think... Uh, probably by midweek next week, the game will be sold out. That sounds awesome. All right, Bruce Avick, finally for you, um, the Stanley Cup. What did it mean to you and your family? Again, you've been, you know, what, early 70s you came to the Blues, yeah, right? I traded here, uh, I think I was either yesterday or today, I right. read on Twitter, 45 years ago. Right, I read that too. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it, you know what, it, it, it's hard to explain really because, you know, obviously I didn't win it. But the feeling of the team winning it and having been around for so long, it, it was so special. And uh, it was happy for the guys. It was unbelievable. We all know what they went through during the course of the playoffs, four rounds. I mean, tough. Fortunately, you know, could have gone the other way on Dallas. I mean, you look at so many things. And uh, it was just their year. And so I think for me, I'm more excited about the fans that have been around. And, you know, I used to be in charge of season tickets, and I'd hear, I hope they win the Stanley Cup before I die. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, we lost some people before we won the Stanley Cup. But uh, for the fans, it's just been spectacular. And for my family, I mean, it was just it was very quiet for us to be together the night they won the Stanley Cup. I have to tell you a story. I could have gone to Boston. Uh, I was 0-5 in the five previous playoff games. And I decided not to go. I'm not taking credit for anything. But <laughs> I did not want to do that. So... Uh, it would have been the worst feeling of big coming on back on a plane if we had lost. But uh, you asked the players, and the best part about the whole thing was the plane trip back. 
Yeah, it was amazing. Uh, you know, I was lucky enough, along with uh, some of the other broadcasters, to be on the, the flight. Uh, did you did you shed a tear when when the the horn sounded and the Blues finally won? You know, it was, it was the last few minutes. You felt like we were going to win it, right? Right. And we are. You know, my family we were all standing up watching the game, and uh, it, it was just special. I, I did not shed a tear then, and it took a while for it to really sink in. It was kind of surreal for quite a long time, and then I think. The night, I mean, the parade was spectacular. It still hadn't sunk in. But I, th- I think it took until the banner raising that it really hit, and that's when I had it here. Well, it was certainly a great uh, night, and hopefully we'll have many more here um, this year. I know we're going to have a great night in a couple of weeks on Thursday, the 23rd. The Blues alumni against the NHL alumni tickets are going fast. Again, go to Ticketmaster.com and get your tickets today. Bruce, thank you very much for your time tonight, and uh, we'll see you next week. John, it was uh, great seeing you and uh, miss the days when we worked together. Yes, (laughs) a lot of fun, a lot of fun. All right, that's Bruce Affleck. Coming up next, we'll talk to Blues video coach Sean Farrell about his duties, uh, obviously involved in challenges during the game, getting the team ready to play with his video and things like that. We'll talk about Sean Farrell, who, by the way, is a native St. Louisan, the great video coach for the St. Louis Blues. That is coming up next here on 101 ESPN. And welcome back to Behind the Bench here on 101 ESPN. I am John Kelly, and our guest in this segment is the Blues video coach, Sean Farrell. You've been with the club since... 13-14 season, Sean. I guess the first question would be, how did you become the video coach of the Blues? Hey, John. Uh, well, thanks for having me. Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I got my start in the area of on-ice skill development, and so that uh, that year prior to me starting as the uh, video coach, um, I had a, the opportunity to work with a lot of the guys that stayed in town during the lockout year, and so I, I, I worked with a lot of those boys and uh, helping them keep them, you know, in uh, shape and game ready, and uh, never knowing when the lockout was going to be over. But uh, it gave me an opportunity to get in front of uh, the players, and then uh, also in front of Hitch and uh, and Doug Armstrong, and you know, and they, one thing led to another, and we did a little bit of work with the guys, kind of coming out of the lockout, and um, at that time I met Ken Hitchcock and. Um, I think we went through that season. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, communication between myself and the team, but then the following year they were in need of uh, somebody to fill the video coach position, and uh, I received a phone call from Ken Hitchcock asking, saying, I know that's not your area. You're mostly an on-ice skill guy, but uh, here's an opportunity. Would you take it? And I did. Well, you got to take the chances when you when you can and the opportunities, and here we are seven years later, and great success in a Stanley Cup. And I guess if if, if I was to ask you what you do with your job as the video coach, it's a, it's it's a, a complicated answer, I'm sure. But um, can you explain in in maybe 90 seconds or a minute, you know, the basics of what you do as the video coach? Yeah, sure. It is a multifaceted role. Um, most of it focuses on uh, watching other teams. Um, that's you know the primary area of, of time that I spend is pre-scouting, uh, looking at our opponents, trying to identify trends, trying to figure out how are we going to pick another team apart, knowing how we play the game. Uh, the other area of that is the in-game adjustments, the in-game uh, marking of our game. So I watch the same thing you broadcast over, and um, I make marks that our other assistant coaches and head coach can come in and see you know, where we're successful, where we need to maybe change things, uh, power play, penalty kill, things along those lines. And then uh, really the third component boils all the way down to the individual player. So players are continuously looking to get better, and video is a great tool for that. They can really see whether they're 
they need, personally need to make adjustments, uh, where maybe they could get some extra work, uh, and it never hurts to see when you do things the right way either. Absolutely. Let's start with the first component. Let's just assume the Blues' next game is a Monday against Anaheim and you play a Saturday. When would you start preparing and how detailed would you get and how long does it take you? Well, it's interesting. So my goal is to watch a minimum of three games leading up to our actual game against that opponent. Um, How detailed. It's interesting. As I mark each game, each period has close to 250 to 300 marks. So that's almost 1,000 marks per game. So there's 3,000 marks, you know, leading into our game that that I'm going to review and cut up and break into bigger chunks that the rest of the coaching staff then their area of expertise takes over and uh, we have offensive coaches defensive coaches special teams coaches and whatnot so um, my area at first is to kind of take a broad brush stroke approach to it break it down into smaller components and then by time I pass that on to the uh, rest of the coaching staff hopefully it's boiled down to enough that they're not having to put a ton of time they can just dig right in and see kind of what the other team's doing yeah obviously a, a lot of information for the head coach, Craig Bruby, the the special teams. I, I guess there has to be a limit to how much information the players either want or can absorb. I mean, too much can be deter- detrimental, I would think. It can be. Um, I think that we've, as a staff, are incredibly efficient. Um, you know, we found our stride last year in the way that we break up the kind of the division of work. And, uh, you know, everybody has an area that they're responsible for, and we hold each other accountable and help each other, you know, throughout the whole entire process so um, it is a lot I think that we've got a, a decent way of presenting it so that you know when, when you think about all these 3,000 clips and you know how long it takes to watch three games and the little sleep that I do get sometimes <laughs> by time it gets to the players it's a six-minute meeting you know we've we've really narrowed it down and kind of kicked the tires and and tore down the opponent as much as we can behind the closed doors of our offices before they have to, you know, before the players have to be overwhelmed with that type of information. Again, we're talking with Blues video coach Sean Farrell, who has been with the club since the 13-14 season. Sean, and you talk about, you know, pre-scouting and trends of the other club. How often, if at all, would you tell, you know, the coaches and obviously the players to the coaches that, uh, for instance, they're going to do this on the power play and then in the game, something entirely different happens. Did teams adjust like that from game to game? Uh, They do. I think that's why, you know, for example, we don't just randomly fall back on the last time we played a team. Um, it's, It's You're continuously very active in making sure that Maybe they haven't made direct changes and say, we're going to play a different way, but maybe they're not executing the way that that system should be looking. You know, you can find holes in it. Um, you might know what they're trying to do. Um, you know, as far as like how many times does somebody change? Um, there have been a lot of changes in the league this year. So some teams come at you with a completely different approach. Um, other teams, it really does. It's, it comes down. We know exactly what they're going to do. They know exactly what we're going to do. And it comes down to who's going to execute better. And then that's what you're alluding to as far as the in-game. You know, what we said was going to happen. Is it really happening? Or did they, you know, decide to change things up at the last minute. Maybe they had a lineup change or something, and it it forced them to try to play things a little bit differently. We try to be as quick as possible. We've got guys upstairs, eye in the sky. Um, You know, we're in communication uh, not only upstairs in my office and on the bench through radios, so it's pretty fast. Uh, The technology now is we have iPads on the bench, so I can say, hey, we need to go back and look at that. Or maybe they say 
can you mark that for me? I need to look at that again. I mark it in here in my office. They can see it real time right out on the bench on the iPads uh, at the TV timeout or maybe the next whistle. So things can happen really fast, and it, it really comes down to um, – before the game starts, are we all on the same page? If we're all on the same page, how fast can we make adjustments and get that communicated to each other? So, Sean Farrell, what might happen after a period as far as what you do and your communication to the coaches and the players? I mean, you don't have a lot of time. The breaks are about 17 minutes long. That's true. And uh, we do want to take whatever information we can gather in that short amount of time and present it back into the locker room to the players. So that 17 minutes might boil down to about you know, half of what we have available to talk to the um, to the team. So um, right now, what like I said, we're very efficient. Uh, there's a lot of communication on the radio. Um, I mark a lot of things that, you know, I kind of get a, a pretty good idea of what the boys are looking for. Um, <clears throat> when they come in, the things that I've marked specifically for the different coaches is all sitting on their laptops in their office. So they come in, they log in, they pop up video. They might have 10 clips a period that they want to review. And um, we all get together and talk. And, and then we pass that along to Chief, and Chief takes that right in and uh, talks to the uh, team. Sean, as far as individual players are concerned, perhaps on an off day a player might come to you, as you said, and say, I want to look at all my shifts from the last two or three games or the last game or whatever it might be. What, what in particular might a player be looking for when he analyzes his own video? Yeah, I think um, – I think players look for different things. I mean, if you're a, a skill guy, you're going to probably remember a couple of opportunities that either worked out or didn't work out, you know, goal scoring chances that you might want to review and say, you know, did I have the best chance there to shoot or should I have passed? Were there other options? Um, you know, some of our guys that are our checking players, you know, they're going to try to figure out like where did they fit in as far as, uh, you know, their play. I think some of it is um, is really just I think it's a feel. Um, sometimes players, you know, you know you had a good game or you think maybe you could have given a little bit better and you're going to go searching through the video and try to find out what areas you might have been able to improve in. Uh, the technology that's available now, guys can watch their shifts within an hour after the game on their phone, you know, so it's right there for them. Um, there's a great dialogue between player and coach with our uh, staff and within our organization. So I think it's a great two-way tool, you know, for anybody that's looking to get better, they, they, they grab on do it and use it. And finally, Sean Farrell, again, we're talking to Sean Farrell, the video coach of the Blues. A, a big part of your job, not obviously all of your job, is in-game and the challenges. And you're so you're in, you're in the Blues locker room and you have a beautiful video screen, multiple screens. You're in communication on the bench with the, the coach up in the press box. Uh, take us through the protocol of, of what happens when you might want to challenge an offside or a goalie interference. Uh, how does it all go? Yeah, I think, um, well, there's so many sets of eyes watching. Um, you've got myself. I have somebody that sits here and helps uh, each night with a, a separate computer system uh, that watches all the different angles that the league provides us. And then we have the eye in the sky and then um, the coach on the bench. And uh, so between those three or four sets of eyes, you know, we pretty much we're on top of everything. We watch every single play at the net. We watch every entry that a, another team um, has into our zone. And so there's a lot of chatter throughout the game of check that, look at this, I think that. And, and when it really comes down to 
a goal being scored on something questionable, um, our protocol is to, is to try to stay as calm as, as possible and keep the line of communication open so that we can get a quick answer of, yes, we're going to challenge this, or no, we're not. There's a, There can be a lot of confusion with just how hyper and how hypersensitive it can be. Um, the, on the bench now, they have two monitors that are in the floor um, in our facility, and, and, and every rink has been standardized that way uh, through the league. So what I am showing through my computer or looking at in my computer here in my office, they can see not only on the bench, but the guys upstairs in the uh, press box can see it as well. Um, and we really just have to hash it through. And, and, you know, it's been around now for, what, five years, I think. And, uh, you know, it's you begin to narrow your focus and get better and better at it. And sometimes you have to make a risky decision and, and you don't get uh, you talk about not a lot of time. You know, 20 seconds feels like about five. So um, you got to be quick and you got to be concise and you have to be decisive and and go with your gut sometimes yeah obviously it's difficult because a lot of the decisions that are made by the referees or the linesmen are subjective decisions although the offside is more black and white as we know but is there more pressure on on you and the coaches to make the right challenge because now you get a penalty every time if you're incorrect yeah sure the uh, you know before when you would lose your timeout as uh, as it was the year before um, yeah, I think you could probably be uh, more willing to give up a, a timeout at the end of the game to challenge a goal on goalie interference. Um, you know, I have to say that, that I am completely impressed every night by how accurate the linesmen really are. You know, we watch every single time the puck crosses into our zone, and when it looks really close, you're like, nope, that's that's a good one. And so, like, there, it's, it's not often, but... Um, you know, it, I guess it, it's um, it's a testament to their skill. Um, there are some things that could be subjective. I don't probably need to get into that. But, uh, yeah, of course, it gets uh, the concern becomes uh, heightened when, when you're risking going shorthanded for something that you're not 100% sure of. Absolutely. And finally, how did how much did you enjoy the Stanley Cup? I know your family's here in St. Louis. Again, you've been here since 2013. The Blues have had some really good teams that didn't win. And then last year, you make that miracle run in the second half and win the Cup. Yeah, I don't know that I that there's ever been any other experience that I can compare that to. Um, you know, the way the team, the way the coaching staff, the entire organization came together and the feel in the locker room as we were playing in the second half of the year. Um, and then really there's there's no comparison to having been born and raised in St. Louis and have an opportunity to work for your home team in a coaching capacity in the NHL, which is, you know, somewhat overwhelming when you think about it just at that level and now think about being part of the organization when it wins its first Stanley Cup um, it was a great summer it was a short summer as everybody will attest to um, but I wouldn't trade any of that for anything so absolutely not Sean Farrell thank you for your time and uh, giving uh, fans a little look inside your world we appreciate it absolutely thank you very much John All right, that's Sean Farrell the video coach of the St. Louis Blues we'll continue with much more on Behind the Bench after this here on 101 ESPN and welcome back to Behind the Bench I'm John 
John Kelly. Our final segment here with Braden Shen. Tonight's show brought to you by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Boardwalk has great floors for every home with better selection, better value, and the best service. Visit a showroom in Crestwood, Manchester, or St. Peter's, or online at boardwalkhardwood.com. Again, Braden Shen is our guest here in our last segment. And Braden, your club right now sitting in first place, a Stanley Cup ring on your uh, mantle at home, a brand new contract. I would think life is pretty good for Braden Shen right now. Yeah, absolutely. You uh, can't complain. Like I said, very, fu- uh, very fortunate, very lucky. Um, you know, not only to be uh, obviously playing in the NHL, playing with a great organization, win a Stanley Cup, obviously new new contract. So, like you said, can't complain. Very happy and, and uh, love the city here. This is your third year with the hockey club. Of course, in your first year, you had a career high with 28 goals and 70 points. But did you ever wonder when you came here in the deal that it would work out this well? You sure hope it does. Uh, you know, you, you hope for for opportunity, and that's exactly what I got uh, when I first came here. Um, they believed in me, and um, you know, just try to be a piece of the puzzle here. They've always had good teams, um, always had great leadership, um, and you just try to be a piece of that. You don't try and come in here and, and be uh, something you're not. And I try to just fit in, and uh, hopefully uh, they see me as a, as a good piece here, and uh, kind of feels like they do. Brady, it looks like you and your buddy from Saskatchewan, Schwartz, uh, have really clicked together in, in a couple of years maybe three now I guess um, what is the, what is it about the chemistry between you guys um, just you know I think he's for me he's, he's so easy to play with he, he works so hard uh, every every single night um, he hounds pucks he's good in both ends of the ice he has good vision um, he can he can score when uh, the opportunity's there and, and you know I think just communicating talking and uh, kind of reading off one another it seemed to click right off the beginning and we enjoy playing with one another Braden what was it like for you this summer taking the the Stanley Cup home to uh, your hometown. I know your dad's a fireman and you took it to the fire station and things like that. It must have been a great celebration. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, obviously parents, uh, dad, uh, big influence in my hockey career. So uh, to take it to the fire hall for to the firefighters and their families to see the cup, it's crazy when you win the cup. That thing's like a magnet. Everyone wants a picture. Everyone wants to touch it and look at it. And uh, obviously a lot of history with that cup. And, and for me to just to bring it to the fire hall and let them, you know, take a look at it, take a picture with it obviously is uh, pretty special to me but someone said that you were a little uh, uneasy about going up on the lift you, you don't like heights is that uh, right they put me up there and i said uh not too far and uh yeah i'm a chicken when it comes to uh, uh going up too high all right Braden, uh, your dad obviously is a fireman and your, your brother of course a, a player with tampa bay a former fifth overall pick as well as you are was it always hockey for you guys as kids or did you ever think about something else it was a lot of hockey. It was no, no doubt about it. We just fell in love with the game uh, at an early age, whether it's playing mini hockey in our basement or playing on the outdoor rink. And then it kind of one thing kind of leads to another. And, and obviously, we played sports, uh, definitely other sports. Growing up as a kid, we played some baseball and, and golfed a lot and, you know, stuff like that. But hockey was always number one. Um, that was our dream to make the NHL, and, and both of us accomplished it. So you never had a, a desire to follow in your dad's footsteps? Yeah. Uh, uh, I guess fallback plan. Uh, you know, I mean, we all, both, me and my brother, both think firefighting is cool, no doubt about it. But like I said, NHL was number one, and that's what we wanted to do. All right, Braden Shen, the Blues just passed the halfway point. Again, your club is in first place, uh, in very good shape. What would you like to see your team accomplish here in the second half to get ready for the playoffs? 
just keep building. Uh, never be satisfied, I think, uh, where we are in the standings. Um, there's so many good teams in this league, so many good players, and you got to be ready every single night. And, and obviously, we've had a good first half, but uh, we want to keep climbing, keep building, and, and ultimately be ready uh, at the top for a game like we were last year heading into the playoffs. I know a lot of people have talked uh, over the years about teams that win and a Stanley Cup hangover. If there is such a thing, how have you avoided that? Um, I just think the depth of our team. Uh, we have a lot of good players, really. Uh, everyone chips in every single night, whether it's, you know, the goalies or the deer or the forwards. Everyone seems to be doing their job. And, and I think that's uh, obviously our record shows. It uh, doesn't take one or two guys to, to win in this league. You need everyone, and, and we do that every night. I know the other night after uh, late in the game against Buffalo, the fans were chanting, the score is 5-1, the game is over, obviously. They're chanting, let's go Blues. Can you believe, you know, the, the enthusiasm um, in this city right now with your fan base? Yeah, I think this has always been a hockey town. People always enjoy hockey here. Um, um, the team's been good for a lot of years, but I think, you know, us being in first place, us winning a cup last year really brought those fans to another level and, and maybe hopefully they're falling in, the, uh, in love with the game even more. And, and we enjoy playing here. We love playing, uh, you know, for the city, for this organization. And uh, us as players, we're very lucky to be a part of it. Well, keep it going, Brayden. Thank you for your time and good luck tomorrow night against the Rangers. Thanks, JK. Okay, that is Brayden Shen, our guest here on Behind the Bench. Of course, thanks to Bruce Affleck, also the coach, Craig Berube and video coach Sean Farrell, our guest tonight here on Behind the Bench. That is our show for this week. Have a great night, everyone.